Hey everybody, you're listening to Big Things with Zach Miko. On today's episode, I sit down with the founder of Chubster.com, Bruce Sturgill. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the theme song. All right, and welcome everyone back to Big Things with Zach Miko. As always, I'm your host, Zach Miko. Thank you guys for joining me once again. Um, we have a great episode for you guys here today. I actually sit down with the founder of Chubster.com and my good friend, Bruce Sturgill, everybody. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a little background on Bruce. Uh, I wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for him. Um, when I first started modeling, I did a small e-com shoot for Target and Bruce Sturgill, who runs Chubster.com. Chubster is a lifestyle, fashion, everything you need to know, big guy website. And he was going through, uh, Target for another reason. And all of a sudden he spots little old me in their e-com section. So he writes an article called did Target sneak a plus size man into their e-com site uh so then he does a little article he puts that out asking like hey this has never been done before but we're seeing a guy with an actual belly and love handles modeling clothing on a major retailer's website um and then i was lucky enough to have a friend um posted it and i was able to see it and went hey i'm that guy that snuck into it so then i wrote into chubster.com and I did my first ever public interview with Bruce Sturgill, and it was awesome. We did that interview together, and then that got picked up by Mike and by Huffington Post and by BuzzFeed, and it just blew up. All the notoriety and success I have can be traced back to Bruce writing about me, so I was super excited to talk about him. He's such a pioneer in uh, the body positive and the brawn big and tall movement, um, he's like the grandfather of the movement, to be honest. And <laughs> I really hate that term, but he is. So I was super excited to sit down and talk to him to just kind of talk about how far the industry has come in just like the short last three years. So it was a great episode and it's a lot of fun. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, my interview, Bruce Sturgeon. Ladies and gentlemen, I am sitting here with the man himself from Chubster, the man who started my career, <laughs> definitely, Bruce Sturgill. How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. I'm good. That's good. We're sitting here in New York City. If you guys hear music, we're in a lovely um, rehearsal studio where there's auditions going on for some sort of musical, but hey, it makes it more fun. That's right. We might hear some extra singing in the background or something. Exactly. <laughs> so let's start from the very beginning. Um, you run a blog website yeah brand lifestyle brand called chubster right uh chubster is well you tell you can explain it far better than i can <laughs> sure so uh, chubster is a website that helps big guys find create and share their style so uh, i started it because i was frustrated i couldn't find anything to wear you know the the pain of going out and trying to find something that you wanted to wear that looked like your style and your size uh, was it's still something that's a, a problem, yeah. but <laughs> getting a little better, but not yeah. it's still a very long way to go. Yeah. So I, uh, I started the site, uh, and it's been about eight years now. Yeah. And, uh, when I started there, just, there wasn't anything out there, you know, I'd go out and I would find, uh, the big and tall shops carrying things that my dad would wear, you know, or I would go to the mall and I was kind of at that line where sometimes I could find things, but usually not. Yeah. Or you'd go in and you'd see that look on the on the face of the person when they saw you come in. It was just kind of like, mm. oh, I, yeah. I've been stopped multiple times in stores, like yeah. walking in. They're like, are you are you shopping for a friend or something? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you just answered my question. Right. No, I'll I'll, I'll go now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, you do that so often, and you get to a point where you're just done. And I was frustrated, yeah. and I decided to uh, start a website so that I could complain. And I went to Tumblr and started, there was no forethought into any of this. I was just, yeah. I was angry and I, 
I went home and I started this Tumblr blog and it was called Big Boy Fashion at the time. I mean, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, no thought about the future or anything like that. And I just kind of started posting things where I was, um, you know, I was talking about uh, brands that were uh, that didn't carry extended size or if they did, they were hiding it. It would be hard to find online, things like that. And I was sharing looks that I had put together. Uh, which, you know, there there wasn't a lot that I was wearing that I was proud of, but when I put something out, people were sharing it and they were talking about it. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing kind of came together and I saw that there was something I could do that was more than just complaining. So yeah. uh, Chubster kind of grew out of that. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you were the first person, I think, to really bring the big guy, the big and tall, the brawn, whatever you want to call it, community together to a place. Because we didn't, well, before Chubster, there was nowhere any of us could go for any advice on how to be put together for so long the advice to a bigger guy to you know look put together and look well was just lose weight totally. there was like <laughs> it was it was all just being like no 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 what what's going on with you is not good so you should go change yourself right. and i and i feel like chubster was like one of the first websites or the first website to be like no 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 you're a big guy and you look awesome and here's how to look awesomer yeah, yeah, you <laughs> know, <laughs> I mean, my my goal was was really to show that I, you know, there's a there are a lot of people who do who are who are activists and they're really yeah. able to stand out there and say and push back against, you know, people who are telling you to lose weight or you're not good enough or you don't deserve dignity because you're bigger. And I wanted to be able to show that there are a lot of guys out there that they put themselves together well they yeah. have style and I wanted to get beyond that even I kind of realized early on that uh, I don't spend all my time thinking about what I'm going to be wearing you know I wanted to talk about uh, what bigger people are doing out there in the world yeah I think that's important no and it is important it's important to just be noticed I mean even since then we're going to skip around your whole life <laughs> but that's a perfect segment to talk about your podcast heavy conversations with Jody oh yeah um, which I'm a huge fan of and which man. you do you talk on you talk outwardly about just what it's like to live as a big person in society and the big problems my favorite one is I was recently listening to the one where you guys were talking about why there were no fat superheroes oh yeah <laughs> and it's true it's just yeah. kind of like there are a couple like big like fat guys and like you have kingpin and what but they're always villains right they're always they're never good guys right exactly it's so frustrating it is and it's it's like that in comic books it's like that in media for the most part when you're seeing bigger people they're the villain or you're the funny fat guy or yeah. you get relegated to these specific roles and that needs to change yeah when i was more heavily acting i still when i can but when i was like just acting mm. The roles that I had were on the, I was told I was too good looking to be the fat, funny best friend, which I wasn't sure was, <laughs> I don't I didn't even know how to take that. I was like, thanks. I guess. I fucking guess, <laughs> but fuck you. Um, and then I was also too nice looking to play villains. Uh, so I was like in this weird thing where I'd play like bouncers and prison guards. And I'm like, but I was not like the mean, like, get out of here, bouncer. I was right. like, all right, ladies, you can't come in. Like, I was that guy. I can see you as a villain. I can see that. You I know? can too. But apparently casting directors, it's funny how until a couple of years ago, both like media, both entertainment and fashion were so outwardly closed minded. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't even consider things for a second. Why do you think that is? <laughs> I... I think there is a specific, I think there are a lot of reasons. I yeah. think there's a specific idea that if you are bigger, you don't fit into a, an ideal that a viewer it would be interested in. They don't think that a bigger guy is going to be able to sell tickets to movies. Which or, is hilarious because most of the country is bigger people. Totally. <laughs> totally. And people want to see, they want to see people who look like them yeah. in aspirational situations. Yes. Being told that they could be something. Because for a long time, that's another thing mm-hmm. um, you guys said in your podcast once, is a long time a fat person's value was determined on whether or not they have lost weight. Right. And which is... So sad because that's the only time bigger people were considered aspirational is when mm. they dropped a hundred pounds. They're like, isn't that amazing that he did that? And I'm like, isn't it amazing that he had like a great career and a loving family even and and had the audacity to be big the whole time? <laughs> like, right, right. It's no one talks about. I was like, John Goodman fucking was the big guy his whole life, and he's one of my favorite people in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, it's it's. 
but that was never considered an aspirational goal when we were younger. You're, you're totally right. And that's why for me with Chubster, it was important to start interviewing people like, you know, that are, that are bigger, that are ACLU lawyers yeah. or actors or people who are out there doing things. And they are pushing back against those stereotypes that always say that if you're bigger, you can't do these things or you're lazy and you're not going out, you're not doing anything. I wanted to show that that wasn't the case. Yeah. Speaking of people you interviewed, uh, <laughs> so a little little known fact, everybody. Um, the way I got my start is I was an actor and I was given a small print job doing e-com for Target. Didn't think <laughs> anything of it. Didn't know it was a big deal. Um, and then I get forwarded an article from a website called Chubster where they were like, did Target sneak in a plus size guy into their e-com site? And someone forwarded it to me, and I was like, holy shit, Bruce is talking about me. <laughs> so then I wrote to Chester, and I was like, hey, guys, that's me if you want to talk. Yeah. And we just did. <laughs> it, was, it was super chill. And, Eddie, and, you know, Bruce, you were kind enough to write back and just be like, yeah, let's, let's, let's have an interview. And that was my first public interview ever. Really? It was, was talking to you. Oh, that's awesome. Man, it was, it was just such a – it's so funny that – that ha that that happened and that we're here because yeah. that was one of those things where I was looking at Target for something that I was writing and I looked through and I saw you on the site and I thought, wait a minute, okay, I've got to write about this. And it was totally going to be just one of those five minute articles. I'm going to yeah. write this thing, throw it out there. And I didn't, I definitely didn't expect the person I was writing about to write into, into yeah, us. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And then I didn't expect it to like, blow up you know dude i'm that sure article, you i really didn't expect it to blow up i'm <laughs> sure you didn't but i like was had no idea so yeah. we did that article together people liked it people started sharing it and then the next thing we know that article is getting quoted by like buzzfeed and huffington post and mike.com and all they're doing is like which is amazing to me a lot of people did not write their own articles right. they just wrote about your article totally. which is an interesting insight into like you know quick pace media sometimes where it they're is. just like we don't have time we're just gonna requote bruce's <laughs> interview it's crazy and i had never experienced that before so seeing that they would just come in and, and just kind of pull things was yeah. crazy i mean luckily they credited you on everything but it was right. still like oh okay you're just gonna your article is literally just gonna be verbatim my article that's right. cool so how i've always wanted to ask you this is like how did things change for you with that after after that got out and kind of started uh, getting around the world, I mean, what was, did that kind of change the way that you, that you thought about, uh, I don't know. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was a total, it was a total trip. And I spent the whole time being like, I remember thinking and like talking to my wife and being like, I think this is what going viral is where all of a sudden I went from just this nobody who said tens of words on TV shows in passing <laughs> to like people knew who I was overnight. And I think what was most interesting about it is I had all this like f fame, I guess. I had all like this, this notoriety and this like pseudo internet celebrity status almost like overnight because hmm. after – uh, doing yours is something like, yeah, then finally, you know, Mike and Huffington Post wanted to do their own articles and I talked to them and then all of a sudden I'm on Good Morning America talking right. about it and then I'm doing things for the New York Post and then I'm getting IMG models writing into me and wanting to take a meeting and this whole time, Target Ecom was my only client and I was shooting them like once a month for like n not much. Like it was just like a little gig. Like I never thought it, I remember feeling like I was faking it for so long because I was like, if they knew and then people would be like, hey, we saw you in the Target campaign. Good job. I'm like, it was not a campaign. It was an $8 t-shirt <laughs> link that you could click on. Like it was, it was the, the lowest, like it was one step above stock photography, <laughs> like on the modeling tier. If you go to like stock, e-com, in-store ads, campaign, blah, blah. I was, I was the second lowest tier of model at the time you could get. And it, I mean, it changed Every, I remember very quickly, and especially you were really great to talk to during this whole process because, you know, I'd check back in with you and I'm like, this was crazy because, you know, it was kind of like both of our like lives kind of blew up because your article blew up, my face blew up. So, it was, right. so I was like checking in with you. I'm like, are you getting approached a lot like by other 
everything? And you were like, yeah, it's, this is crazy. And, um, yeah, you were great to like check in with and just be like, how do I keep this going? And through talking to you and, and, and through a couple others, but mostly talking to you, Mm. I was like, okay, this isn't a one-off thing for me to enjoy. This is some sort of a small gate in the male body positivity world just opened right and we need to jam our foot in the door and make sure nobody closes it back because it easily could have just like floated away as like oh wasn't that funny this thing that happened but we were like it was like the entire not just us like the entire big and tall community just like just like pumped up and they were like okay this is the moment a lot of us have been waiting for. Now we got to rush the gate and right. get through as many people as we possibly can. And we did. It's mm-hmm. like really, I mean, that was only like three years ago. Oh man. It feels, it feels so much it longer. It feels so much longer. Yeah. And you figure three years ago, the big and tall modeling industry almost didn't exist. There right. was like a couple people in Germany doing it only with German clients. There were some guys that were like, a little more muscular than the normal guy, but there was never, there really wasn't any actual big dudes anywhere. And now it's like, I don't want to say commonplace, but it's like, I used to, for the first two years, I would be like, what do you guys do? They're like, what do you do for a living? And I would say, oh, I'm a fashion consultant. Because uh. I didn't want to say I was a model because I was still embarrassed by saying it because it was such a freaky thing. Like right. to be like, look at me. Yeah. I'm, and they were like, oh, you're a model. <laughs> So like for even the first year, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a consultant in men's fashion and just cause it, which is not right. a lie, sure. but <laughs> it's not the truth either. Wow. And it's funny how like now it's like I can, for I just openly say it because it went from being this funny little thing that no one had heard of to now IMG has four dudes on its roster. Oh wow. Uh, Wilhelmina has like six big guys on their roster. Um, I think Ford just signed a guy like it's, it's all the, the biggest modeling agencies in the world now have bronze slash big and tall guys on their roster. Nice. Like just to, which is awesome, but now I got competition. Uh. So, <laughs> which is wonderful, but it's like, it's just amazing that this went from non-existence to like, a whole industry in like three years. It really has been a big change in the last three years. Yeah. And you know, before that, when I was doing it, it was just baby steps. I would try to reach out to companies to either partner or just talk to them about what yeah. they were doing. They wouldn't give me the time of day. Now companies reach out to Chubster and it's, it, yeah, know, we're able to do a lot more and you see that there's a lot more opportunity. It's still, we're early in the process. It's still very early. Yeah. And that's like, I, like I, am, I tell people, I'm like, you still can't expect much, right. like especially like it's my big advice to like new models who come to me and they're like, oh, I want to start, and I'm like, mm. oh, and I have this gig, I'm like, that's great, and they're like, oh, I'm gonna quit my job, and I was like, don't, don't, don't <laughs> fucking do that. Like right. I waited like two years to quit my job, mm. and luckily I do now. Luckily this is all I do, but it's like it's the the big and tall brands have been getting bigger and doing better but the mainstream brands are still real slow to come along. And sure. it's like, it's like, guys, this is, it's, it's, we're growing and we have to keep pushing and keep growing. It's like, you can't get complacent because this is a lot of the old school people in fashion. I feel are still waiting for this fad to die. Sure. <laughs> Which is hilarious, right. but it's like, it's like, no, we have to just, just keep steady, keep proving this isn't a fad. Yeah. I, I think I, I like what you're saying though. And I think it's super important because I'm, I'm absolutely sure that you're getting tons of people all the time who are like, how can I become a model? Because we get it all the time at Chubster. Oh yeah. Like constantly. That is like, there, there are like two questions that, that we get a lot of. And that's number one is number one. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm asked that every three seconds and I'm always, <laughs> uh, and, and a couple things not annoy me. But it's mm-hmm. like, guys, I have a podcast. I've talked about how to become a model a bunch of times. <laughs> you can go listen. That's what I just tell people now. I'm like, I don't know. Go listen to episode, you know, seven fourteen, and like I'll, I talk about it extensively. But it's like, what's the second question you guys said you get most often? Uh, how do I become an influencer? 
Yeah, which is super. Uh, I could I could talk about that for hours about how you don't want to be. I mean, an influencer is a thing, and there are very few people who are able to do that. the yeah. The common mis- misconception with all of this, with being a model or being an influencer, or whatever air quotes, since nobody can see it. I know is that uh, they do think they can just like leave their jobs and yeah. and do this full time, and that is not real. I, I uh, do you know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Yeah. Okay. So I, I've recently got into him like a lot because I like how straightforward he is about stuff. First time I thought he was an asshole. Uh-huh, I was right. like, this guy's a dick. But then I like started listening to him more and more. And he tells all the time, he goes, no, there's a shitload of opportunity on social media to become an influencer again, finger quotes. But he goes, but he goes, do you want, is this what you, you want to do for the rest of your life? Or is like, why don't you do what you love? make an extra couple hundred bucks a month doing it and keep doing your normal job. And like, he goes, isn't your life way better having your salary and that everyone thinks that if you don't quit your job, if it's not the only thing you're doing, you somehow have failed, which is silly. It's silly to think that I'm like, what do you like all these people I know who have side businesses Mm. that feel like, Oh, I don't, you know, because I'm, I'm my side business isn't my full-time business that I'm not doing well. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You have a side business. You have customers. You have things going on. That's great. Right. Yeah. The fact that you can even start a business, is that's amazing. amazing. I know. Yeah. And, you know, when, when I talk to people about it, uh, I make it clear that it took me six years before I was able to start doing this full-time yeah. on my own. And every every day, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. You know, and that's always there. There is not... I'm not at a place where there's like job security. Oh, me neither. Yeah. Like even I'm always at a place where it's like, okay, I got this month's bills. Right. And I think I got next month's bills. And if I don't get paid in the next two months, I don't know what I'm doing about the third month's bills, but like, right. like I've gotten just enough where I'm like, all right, I got rent and bills for next month set. <laughs> like <laughs> that's the, it's, it's, I, it's a big leap of faith to take your job, but it's like, for me, it was very calculated to quit my job sure. because I just, it, it was just time. And again, it didn't happen right away. I hung on to my job for like a while because, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And right. it's like, oh, Zach, why are you still bartending? And I'm like, because people are going to want drinks tomorrow. I don't know if they're going to want to take my picture. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's a good point. It's a valid yeah. point. You just don't know. Yeah. And, and you really do have to, you have to be smart about it. You can't just jump into it and say, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm out of everything. I'm going to hope that this is going to work. And that's what um, shows like Shark Tank make you think. You're mm-hmm. like, yeah, just why don't you just quit the job and go for it? Right. And they always like show those quotes. But I'm like, no, 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 no. They always like show those in like the teaser trailers. I'm like, Rob Hershevik said that to like one guy. He's like, why don't you quit the job and go for it? I'm like, if you watch the episode, the guy had a $3 million business. Mm-hmm. And right. he's like, why don't you quit your job and just focus on this? And like, yeah, he had put a, he had put 10 years of work into his business before Rob Hershevik's like, just quit. Now he's like, now's the time. Like they're never just like, uh-uh, right. quit your job. Go for it. Don't be on the, like, I don't know. It's, well, it, it's always that thing when they think that when, when you seem to be like the new, yeah. the new thing or the new person out there, you're not new. You've been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Like, and people are just now seeing you. It's the same thing for, I was new to modeling when I started. Yeah. But I had been in the entertainment business for 10 years, like just pushing my way. And the only reason I got into modeling as easy as I did is because I've been in front of the camera for 10 years. So right. like. And kind of just knew how to fake it until you made it, really. Which is so important. Yeah. That, that's part of it is just being able to, you've got to be smart and you've got to be able to figure out what, you know, what, what you can do above and beyond. You can't just focus on one thing and hope that that is going to do it for you. It's important to diversify and to think about, okay, if this one side of this thing that I love is not going to work out, how do I do, how do I make it work on the other side? Yeah. You know? That's it's super important, and I think people just don't think about it. No, absolutely. So, what point in Chubster do you think you were at when you did decide I can I can take this on full time now? Uh, so I was I was working a full time job, and I was I was in tech, and uh, we had moved to Portland, Oregon. My wife and I and our kids love Portland. I was there this week. Yeah, yeah. I, miss, I missed you, but luckily I get to see you three days later. Right? So it worked out. Here we are. <laughs> so. I, uh, we had moved there and I was working at this job and uh, the job was fine, but I knew it wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to yeah. go full time on Chubster and I felt like I was getting close, uh, 
And my wife was like, we got to buy a house. Then you can quit your job. So uh, <laughs> that's a good point. I like that. Yeah. So I was like, okay. So um, I, yeah, keep your credit and employment record good enough till we get the mortgage. Once the mortgage is in, the right, bank, right? Yeah, we can go. Exactly. So that's so very smart. I worked my ass off, and I mean, it was just like, okay, how do how do we make this work? What you know, what do we need to do here to make this happen? And uh, we bought a house, and a couple months after that. I quit my job, you know, luckily they laid off a bunch of people. So it kind of all worked out like at the same time that I was planning to quit. So everything kind of worked out. So as you were planning to quit, they laid you off anyway. Yeah. And you're like, so you're like, oh, I was about to quit with no severance. And now I lay off with severance way better. And it, <laughs> it felt like it was a sign. It was like, okay, this is, you know. Absolutely. No, it's totally yeah. a sign. I had for, for me when I finally decided to like quit bartending I remember they changed the way we got paid at the bar <laughs> and I was just like and it became like this weird thing where we were going cash carry all of our tips you know credit card everything every single night to uh work keep and everything we'll send you a paycheck every two weeks and I was like that's not why I bartend <laughs> that you bartend because it's all cash every night and you walk out and you like so that was the same for me I was just like well it's been good. I'm time like, to go. Uh, time to go. Yeah. Time to keep on keeping on. Yeah. Yeah. You just know. And then you kind of have to, you have to have the faith that what you're doing is going to work. Yeah. And you have to go at it and, and you mean, have to just kill it. And that's the thing is like, people don't realize it doesn't just start. Ha- I can show a noted difference in like my bookings mm-hmm. in my career. Um, over the, even though the last three years, there are times where I got complacent. Mm. And things slowed down because I got complacent. I was like, the second you ease off the gas, everyone else's eases off too. Like, as long as you keep on pumping it and keep on pushing them, people kind of keep on that's, helping you out. <laughs> that's the thing is, I feel like you have to try and find a balance. And I haven't necessarily found this good balance between like celebrating your successes and when you get in and you do something and saying, okay, that's good. Now I have to continue. I have to keep doing this. I know. For me, it's, uh, I was talking to, um, in an early episode, I talked to my friend Katie, who had her first. Uh, she was on broad. She's on Broadway. She's on Broadway right now. She's in a play called "The Play That Goes Wrong," which is hilarious. Everybody go see it. Uh, it's just been extended again. So, nice. <laughs> but um, and I was. I remember talking to her about it, and I was like, "So, you've worked your whole life to get here. You're on Broadway. You 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 finally achieved your dream. How much does that suck?" And it's like it's true. It's because it's. You get to a point where you think, I never got to a point, and I don't know if you did the same thing, and I know you didn't, is like, I never got to a point where I'm just like, I've done it. I'm successful. I'm finished. It's like, as soon as I reached the level that I'd been striving for for a long time, it was like I went, oh, I'm not anywhere. There's so much farther for me to go, and there's so much more for me to do and for me to go for. That like, I, yeah, I hit this little stepping stone and now the actual work begins <laughs> where right. I have to like get into it. It is. It's a step and you take that step and when you get there, you're like, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. I know. Yeah. I'm not actually where I thought I was going to be or there's new, there are new challenges and new things open up and you have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah. So for me, that's definitely where I'm at, where I feel like things are continuing to grow, but. I'm not where I need to be yet. Yeah. And where I need to be, I don't really know anymore. I stopped thinking about it that way. That's the thing. You really don't know where you need to be. You're kind of like, okay, I'm going to keep just moving forward. I have ideas. I have visions. I'm going to keep pitching all my different ideas. But also, it's like you kind of have to be open to like, okay, this doesn't work out. But someone's suggesting me do this thing that I never even thought about. But now that I'm thinking about it, that thing could be great. So why don't I start like leaning in that direction? It's... It's like a very weird situation of being like super motivated and driven towards your goals, but be super willing to be flexible and take a hard right turn if something presents itself Mm -hmm. to do that. You have to be open. If you're not open, you will not succeed in most anything that you're doing, but especially this kind of thing where if you're trying to grow something and you're trying to build a business or a brand or you're trying to get out there and uh, get more gigs, then you have to be open to trying different things and you never know where it's going to take you. And that's the thing for me with Chubster is that when I started it, I really thought it was going to be specifically uh, 
people who were just like me, you know, yeah. who were looking for, who had the same problems and were mm-hmm. looking for solutions like me. And I figured out really quickly that that was absolutely not the case. Yeah. That you meet so many people who are, who have, uh, they come from different backgrounds. They have different abilities. They totally, uh, you know, everything is different and they identify with the community. And when you see that, you have to recognize those things and make sure that you're including them and look at how, uh, you change what you're doing and make it bigger. And for me, with Chubster, it's about making something that's bigger than myself. You yeah, know, I want to put something out there that helps a lot of people, and that's that's my hope is that you know as this grows and continues to turn into whatever it's turning into, that that it will help more people and they find the things they're looking for. Yeah. What at what point um, in doing? Chubster, because you've been doing it for the past eight years, did the term body positivity like first start kind of cropping up in online circles? I feel like that was pretty early on. You know, when I started, um, when I really, after I got off Tumblr and started Chubster.com, yeah. I realized that, uh, you know, the only things out there were really plus size women's blog bloggers, you know, yeah. uh, doing the, the women's fashion stuff and uh, looking at that. You can go down the rabbit hole and end up, you know, meet, finding. It's fine. <laughs> finding, <laughs> finding all these different people that are out there that are doing things, and I started to get kind of into, um, you know, the activist side of it and seeing body positivity and seeing that uh, fat acceptance was a thing, and that there's there is a whole world uh, around this, and fashion is just one part of that. Yeah. And really, what it comes down to, and the thing that always sticks with me, is that. Uh, People deserve dignity regardless of their size. Yeah. That is like the core of what this is about. And that's really what all of this is about. We should have clothing options and we should be able to wear things that make us feel good, that fit us and look good and allow Mm -hmm. us to express our personalities through style. Yeah. And I want to wear a brand that has given the tiniest bit of thought into me as a customer. I know for a long time and a lot of the big and tall uh, brands that I wore, like the classic ones going to the classic big and tall shops were terrible and they've always been terrible. And they've always been so ill fitting and so bad, but like you just kind of, you didn't have any, any other option. Now that I'm like working in the industry and I see that there are, there are smaller brands, they might not be the big houses, but the smaller brands are doing a killer job of it right. <laughs> actually made stuff that fits me and you correctly. What amazes me when I started working with um, uh, different brands. And as my listeners know, I rarely name said brands because even though I might be mad at them now, they might do better and pay me later. So (laughs) it's all a business strategy. But like I worked with, you know, some different brands and their fits and whatnot. And it always amazed me how far off they are in the proportions of big people and Mm -hmm. what they think, like, like how they think, a larger body is made. Well, for those who don't know, for guys' clothing, and it's it's similar for women's, but for guys' clothing specifically, um, most samples are made on a medium built guy, or like if it was a t-shirt size, it would be medium. And what they do is they fit the sample to that guy, who's you know 150 pounds less than I am, right? And then they just keep scaling it up. Now what happens is sure. Things do scale up as you get bigger. Yes, I have a bigger chest. Yes, I have you know a bigger belly. But my arms, for example, don't grow at the exact same rate as this medium guy. So a lot of big and tall shirts, not the one I'm wearing now, but a lot of big and tall shirts, you end up having these huge things if everyone has like four Hulk Hogan arms into <laughs> one thing because they just kept scaling up or like... Certain things scale up that don't. It's like, okay, yes, I need a, some little extra room in the front because I do have a belly, but like, I don't have a giant back stomach. Right. I don't know why you're giving me all the space back here for that. Right. And they don't think through what bodies are like in proportions. Yeah. And it is more difficult as you get above certain sizes, but still, if you're if you're doing the research and you, you are working with fit models that are bigger, mm-hmm. then you can get it right. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. And that's, yeah. it's uh, entertainment and fashion, fashion. It, it, it's a, it's a very old industry mm-hmm. and older industries are harder to change standards on. So a lot of the times when you're pitching stuff like this to brands, they're like, Oh no, I've, w- we've done it this way the whole time. And right. I said, okay, 
Well, what you're doing doesn't work. You could do it the entire time. We've been, we burned coal and oil for a very long time, and now we find out it's destroying our environment. Not only that, we're breathing it in. They had lead in gasoline for a very long time until they realized, oh, people have lead poisoning. Let's take, <laughs> let's make unleaded gasoline. It's like, right. just because someone did it once, like a long time ago, doesn't mean that's the way to do it. Yeah, and there are a lot of companies out there, uh, one that I won't name, just mm-hmm. for the same reasons, uh, reached out and said that they were looking for models. And uh, I asked what they were looking for, and uh, they pointed out uh, three models that they had seen on Chubster. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, you know, I'm happy to reach out to those guys. And they said, well, what size are they? And I, I talked to the guys, got their sizes, and wrote back. And they were like, oh, no, 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 we were looking for someone who was like a 34 or 36 the it's fact like, that they think that's what plus size is, because a lot of them do. They're like, oh, we have a bigger guy. This guy's like a 36-inch waist. Yeah. My last time I wore a 36, I was 15 or 16 years old. Right. Like, Same. maybe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, so it's kind of like. They don't get it. No, they yeah. don't. Yeah. Why do you think, um, speaking of which, that numbers are such a big thing for guys? Like, I know for me personally. I was always very sensitive about what number clothing size I wore. And I remember good for the first time as a younger Zach, first time I crossed over from 38 to 40, mm. I was super depressed for like a long time. Um, I think, wh- why do you think that guys are so, and they don't talk about it ever, but big guys are so sensitive to their sizing? I think that a lot of value is assigned to how you know what your waist size is to mm-hmm. how big you are if you're below this then you're still good and you still got that value and i look at that and i think about like i had the same kind of thing where i was in in the 30s as far as waist size goes for a long time and i remember my dad being like a 42 or something like that and when i crossed 42 when mm-hmm. i was younger i was just like uh i can't believe you know i've i've just let myself go and I had to come to grips with that over yeah. time, you know, and it's, it's always just this process. And I think it's just like this, that it, it just comes back to like value. It's, it's that, uh, the bigger you are, the less valuable you are is, is this, this idea that's out there. So yeah. it's like the stigma that comes with that. I just know it's, and I think because of that, um, one of the big pieces of advice I give to guys when they want to dress better is I'm like, you need to know your true size. Yeah. You cannot wear the size. I have a size 38 pant at my house that I can still wear, but it's because I've owned it for 15 fucking <laughs> years and it is so stretched out at right. this point. There's no way it's even close to a 38, but it's like, but a lot of guys, they don't know their true size mm-hmm. or they refuse to believe their true size because it's, it's a sensitive subject. Us being bigger guys, it's something we have been sensitive about our entire lives is something that you know our peers made fun of us for our entire lives. so it's very much the idea of gaining weight is the scariest thing to yeah. us like so the idea that oh i'm i might be a bigger size a lot of dudes wear clothing that's way too small for them for that very reason right you know and i i think that there is also it, it's also as you're getting you're getting bigger and you're getting away from what this optimal size is. You yeah. have an optimal size in your head, and when you get away from that, it's uh, it's just you being less. It's you uh, maybe getting older or not being as good as you were at one point. And I think there there are some people that that can stick in their head where it's just like I'm getting older. I, you know, I don't uh, I, I don't look as good. I don't feel as good. Or you yeah. know, I don't know. I think there are a lot of things built around it that it's easy to idealize a certain time in your life and mm-hmm. feel like, well, you know, back then I was a 36 and I was great or, you know, I know. But if you think back when you were a 36, you thought you were big as hell. Cause right. I did. I remember being 15 and wearing a 36 and just being like, I'm so much bigger than everybody else. Cause everyone else was wearing like a 28 or something like that. Yeah. I was the fat kid wearing a 36. Now as adult Zach, I'm like, that's, hilarious that I ever thought that. It's so crazy to me that that, that uh, I had the same experience. I just remember being a fat kid and I remember yeah. thinking that I was a fat kid. But then I look back and I'm like, you know, if it's not that big of a thing. And I definitely was not as big as I thought in my head that I was. Yeah. And, you know, really it doesn't matter. And I know with, with my kids, I try really hard to 
make sure that that is uh, that they know that that doesn't matter because you know me growing up uh, family members who were always like uh you're you're getting bigger you know always had something to say i know there's always always something my grandmother just recently said she's like oh you're getting real big and Uh, i was like I hope this is just an old person moment because, like, I don't think I've gotten any bigger. But even even just that little comments also send all, like, former fat kids into, like, a, oh, no. Am totally. I? You go home. You go on the scale. You do. Which I actually just made the huge mistake of we have a scale in our house again. Uh, For a long time, we did not. Yeah. And now we do. And it's like, oh. Yeah. Oh, it's a heartbreaker every single time. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's, it's big people. We focus so much on the numbers because society does put this ideal size into our head and it takes a lot of re-education and like relearning your own self-esteem and your own versions of self-love to just be like that doesn't matter it doesn't And and you know what I might not be a 38 anymore I have to wear a 42 but since now I'm correctly wearing a 42 I look way better and I, I, I look slimmer and I look more put together because I'm wearing the correct size in the correct place. And it's, it's something that's hard. Like I, I tell brands that all the time. I'm like, you, you're, you have to understand going into whether you're doing plus or big and tall, like selling people clothing, you're going to be dealing with people who are sensitive and people who are ready to be upset. Sure. Because... It's a learned experience. They've been upset and they've been embarrassed more times than not when out shopping. So they kind of come into it with like this expectation to be disappointed, which gives you the seller who now designs this hopefully brand new, awesome extended sizing clothing Mm -hmm. to give the opportunity to sell the shit out of them and just be like, you want to know what? We did take it into consideration and this is fit for you. And I want you to try this on. I think it's going to look great. Big people have been waiting to spend money for they, years. I've just been waiting to spend money on clothes. Absolutely. <laughs> That's the thing. We want to spend our money. And yeah. when you make clothes that fit us and you market to us, when you show us people who look like us in the clothes, we're going to buy the stuff. It happens time and again. And that's what we're looking for. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. understand why they underestimate the buying power of bigger people. It's like they don't think that we... For a long time, the only places we could buy clothing were places like Walmart and like people who sell clothes for dollars at right. a time, and it, and which is which is great. I mean, we appreciate the savings, but I'm willing to pay more. I, I spent my whole like young childhood and and adolescence and teenage years. I wanted to wear what my friends were wearing, mm-hmm. but I couldn't. Right. It just wasn't the option. I had to wear my father's hand-me-downs forever. Like, I wore my dad's 20-year-old L.L. Bean jeans for most of my life, which is not a knock. I love L.L. Bean. But, <laughs> but like, you know, I was I was a 16-year-old boy wearing, Your you dad's know, jeans. wearing my dad's jeans right. all the time. Yeah. And I think it was before they were even, like, dad jeans are now, like, a, a, their own thing. <laughs> but that's, it wasn't a fashion statement back then. No, definitely <laughs> not. And I remember getting my dad's clothes, too. He'd hand, yeah. down, he'd hand things down, and I'd wear them, and... It wasn't, uh, I mean, that wasn't optimal, <laughs> you know, as no, a teenager, it's not. That's the thing is you kind of hope that hand-me-downs stop when you're like, when you're done growing, hopefully hand-me-downs usually stop. Right. Like, I understand them for like, you know, they were great when I was a little kid and like my older cousin <laughs> passed down the clothes, whatever. But like, yeah, when you're a teenager trying to express yourself and you still have to wear your dad's clothes because we can't find, for, for years, my dad only knew that he can get his sizes from the L.L. Bean catalog. And that's what he wore exclusively for, like, a long, long time. And, like, T-shirts of places he visited. <laughs> that was my dad's, like, wow. that, was his, that was the classic dad outfit. You know, knowing knowing what I know now, if, if I had known it then, I would have just gone full dad. I would have just yeah. gotten all the stuff. I would have just, you know, tried to look old, big glasses, the whole thing. Because I know. you just embrace it and go with it. Just start trying to, like, <laughs> rent a car and, like... <laughs> right, right. And just open up a 401k, just, like, um, see if people would believe it. The 16-year-old old man. Exactly. Yeah. I know. It's what we're relegated to. But that's why... I think for for bigger people, it was you either, yeah, 
hand-me-downs were a big thing. And for some reason, goth clothing was a big goth, thing. Goth, yes. Goth clothing was the, f- <laughs> like, for young people, was like the first size-inclusive clothing because they mm-hmm. made whatever size you wanted. You wanted, you know, a size 54 bell-bottom, black bell-bottoms with chains on them. Great. You could get them anywhere. You just walk right in a Hot Topic and pick them up. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think... I think you hit on something with the fact that people are willing to spend money yeah. to find clothes that fit them that they want to wear. When we do promotions on Chubster, we see huge conversion rates because people are actually going through and they're buying things. So a conversion rate is basically, uh, you know, when a person goes to a website that they, instead of just looking and leaving, they actually buy something. Mm-hmm. Normally it's around 3%, which yeah. is not great, but that's what it but is. But that's like the... Yeah, it's industry standard normally. Right. Yeah. And it's not it's not uncommon for us to be able to double or triple that whenever we are featuring bigger models. We show yeah. bigger guys wearing the stuff and we show that there are sizes available. They will buy the stuff. They want to buy it. And they are dedicated to these uh, brands because they're making clothes that fit them. Yeah. All of all the brands who have started going into extended sizing like um like Express, like Asus, like Asus would be like, you know, our, our four and five X are the first things that sell out every mm-hmm. single time. As soon as they go up, they're just gone because guys haven't had clothing that they've wanted to wear ever. And like, even in uh, NFL locker rooms, if you talk to any of the linemen, anyone on the defensive or offensive line, any of like, you know, the 300 plus guys, mm-hmm. all they're talking about is clothing. All uh-huh. they ask is, where'd you get that? How do I wear this? Where are they, and all of them have, have, resorted to spending thousands and thousands of dollars on custom tailored clothing because it's not an option to have some cool stuff they can throw on. No, you're right. And you know, ASOS is is actually a really good example of uh, covering a couple different things that people have been asking for. Yeah. For so long, there weren't affordable options. There wasn't fast fashion for bigger people. Mm -hmm. And the fact that ASOS is doing that, people seem to love that. Yeah. So, which is, I mean, and that's, that is a big problem. We talked about how you know b- big people were ready to spend money. We want to spend money, mm-hmm. but there is a learning curve in we haven't spent money before, right? Because we never had the options. So when like there's some companies that come out and it's like, oh well, now we go up to your sizes. Please buy these two hundred and fifty dollar pair of pants, right? And all of us go, uh. Uh-uh. I've never spent close to that on a pair of pants before. Yep. So it's like this learning curve. That's why those uh, like mid-tier brands, the, the fast fashion brands are mm. so important. And that's where you're going to grow your audience first. Right. And I think if you grow a good audience like that, then luxury is just a step away. I'll be willing, once I feel confident in wearing clothing like that, I can see me investing a lot of money in a really good piece that I know that I'll wear forever. Absolutely. It's, we want all the same options that people who are wearing mainstream sizes are, yeah. are getting. So we want the fast fashion. We want the luxury stuff. Mm-hmm. I'll look at, at the Chubster shop and we, we will see people who will come in and buy luxury products. They'll go through and spend $3,000 on a trench coat. You know, yeah. They will buy that stuff. There are people across the board who want this. The thing is, they just aren't finding these options, and everybody wants something different. So you yeah. are definitely going to get the people who are like, well, I would never pay $250 for a pair of jeans. But then you're also going to get the people who will do that and are going and are doing that, but they're not talking about it. They're exactly. not being allowed on social. They are out there. They want the stuff. Yeah. We need to give it to them. Yeah. It's, it's such an easy supply and demand. I remember when... Uh, I, I talk a lot with uh, Nadia from DNCO mm. and the CEO of DNCO. And we talk about how Women's Plus is a $20 billion industry. And everyone's like, that's such huge. And she goes, I think it should be $150 billion. She goes, it's crazy. She goes, most of the women, most of the women in America fall under plus sizes. Right. Same with men. Most of the men in America fall into extended or, or brawn or big and tall or whatever you want to call it, which we'll, we'll settle on a name one day. But like, <laughs> in the meantime, people always ask me, they're like, do you have an issue with the term plus size? And I was like, I did for a little bit, yeah. but now it's become so 
colloquial and mainstream right that it's become so much easier for me to use that term so everyone knows what i'm talking about right away rather than try to kind of flip that around i feel like it's it will stop being gendered i think plus size is going to be that's it seems like that's where it's headed yeah because who knows everybody and that's the thing is because and one of the main things is because guys always had a hard time being called plus size right um and I've been quoted as saying, like, I don't believe in the term plus size because for a long time I didn't. And I still don't. I don't believe in what the term plus size means. It's the plus is extra. You're an extra person. Right. I don't believe that. I don't believe in the term extended sizing. I hate all of those terms. <laughs> right. But I know I can't have an intelligent conversation with somebody mm-hmm. with terms that I prefer because they'll just be like, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's kind of like you got to have to take the hit of just being like, it's like when... Someone from Europe wants to talk to us, and we keep saying soccer. And they keep being like football, and we're like, listen, buddy, I'm going to keep saying soccer. So you can either keep trying to say that, or we can go on with them. <laughs> Technically, they're right. Right. But I'm yeah. not like, Mm-mm, I'm going to say soccer. Right. Yeah. So sometimes it's just easier to be like, okay, cool. As long as you're not saying it in an insulting manner, I, I'll let's figure it out. Hopefully we get to the point where those terms aren't needed, yeah. and it's all just whatever it's clothes yeah no it's just clothing yeah it's just clothing and this is your size right and even if they say like yeah this is our clothing line we offer up to this size you don't even have to like categorize it and plus it just be like this is what we offer and this is the size we offer it to right which is understandable it's fine i don't expect every single brand to go in a fully inclusive range of sizing. Mm. I would love for them to, and I think that should be an ultimate goal, but I do understand that it's a business and and there are baby steps to be taken. You need to prove a concept in one field and then maybe push into others. I understand all of that, but the problem is I understand all that because I work in the industry. Right. And the general public is just like, why won't you why, why, why won't you sell me clothes? I'm here with money. He's showing up to a store with a bag of money. The amount of time I've, like we talked earlier, like the amount of time I've been like come up to in a store and being like, are you shopping for a friend? We don't have anything for you here. It's totally. like, is just, it's astounding. And it's defeating. It's demoralizing and people leave and they just, they feel like they have no options. Yeah. And really it's, it's still difficult. It's hard to find clothes that fit you it is. in the sizes you need. And especially, I always think about people who don't live in, you know, Portland or New York or exactly. L.A. When you live in a small town in the middle of Alabama, you're not finding very many options. Exactly. No. And that needs to change. We need to be able to find things that we want to wear in the sizes we need. Yeah. And one thing that I am happy about is because a lot of big and tall fashion has gone direct to consumer. Mm-hmm. Uh, essentially buying straight from the website, which is great for the exact people you're talking about. The Alabama farmer who is nowhere near a store, right? but he still gets mail like everybody else. (laughs) So he'll be able to, you know, get what he needs in. Um, It's really exciting. I do wish there were more brick and mortar stores, Yes, but only because people like you and me didn't have the option our whole lives of going into a store and shopping. People ask me like, what do you want this industry to become? When do you think that this industry has really made it? And I said, the day I can walk into a store, try a couple things on, have try, try multiple things on that fit, pick which one I want, go to the counter, pay for it and leave because that's happened maybe, maybe once or twice in my life. Right. And even then when I went to the counter, I was like, I guess this will work. It's always like a defeated, I've never, in a brick and mortar store, I don't think I've ever bought something I was excited about. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. I mean, it, it really doesn't. And I feel like that is still so far away, yeah. even oh, having yeah. done this for this amount of time. I know. It really is. But then again, we're kind of at the same position where I feel like that idea is very far away. But I've been embracing direct to consumer more and more and more. Because, yeah, it's far away for us, but it's far away for everybody else. Brick and mortar's closing down left and right. That's We're, true. We've, we as America have changed the way we buy. Right. Online, even just people like Amazon and all this have become so just a part of the mainstream and how we buy things mm-hmm. that 
I don't I don't shop in stores anymore because well I gave up a long time ago and trying to st- shop in stores but my wife who can shop in stores mm-hmm. still gets stuff delivered to the house just right. because it's become it's just become the way we shop now. Yeah. Yeah, that that's true. That's true and really you have to kind of resign yourself if you're a bigger person looking for clothes. You have to know that you're going to be looking for things uh, online and you have to kind of prepare yourself, you know, yeah. make sure, like you said, make sure, you know, your fit, knowing your fit will, will save so much time. I know. And save so much agony oh. in your life because people, they do, they think it's fit is a personal thing. I mm-hmm. totally get it, but it's like, it's something that you just have to understand and, and, and know that numbers aren't what matters. What matters right. is how you look and feel in the clothing. Without a doubt. If I feel so much better in a, you know, a 44 pant instead of a 40, then I'll wear the 44. But it took me a long time to get to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just wear this. Right. Yeah. And I think the way that, that guys buy clothes is, you know, at least for me, I'm, I tend to buy like pieces. I'll buy one totally. thing instead of thinking overall, you know, what, what is the look going to be? What am I going for? And, and so I will get caught up on the number and it's, you know, over, over the years I've gotten better about that. But I think a lot of other guys are the same way where you're looking at something and you're like, Ooh, I can't do that size, you know, and it just don't, it doesn't click with you that the size doesn't matter. It is about the way that it looks, how you feel when you're in it. That's what it's all about. Totally. All right. One last question before we go. Um, what is something, because even the, uh, we've discussed that education is going to be the hardest thing for bigger guys mm-hmm. to start looking and feeling better in their clothing is like kind of reeducating them. What, it, what is one of the biggest pieces of advice you can give to someone who's starting to own their style for the first time in their life as a bigger person? You know, a lot of people don't know where to start, and we get a lot of questions at Chubster, you know, asking that, where do we start? How do, we, how do I figure out my style? Where do I find things that actually fit? And what I always recommend is look at, look at people who are out there doing it. Look at people who are putting together, uh, putting together outfits, who know their style, they know what they like. Uh, try and emulate those kind of things. A lot of those people, I mean, you can go through Instagram for days and find yeah. tons of people who are doing that. Totally. And you look at what they're wearing and they're, they're sharing information on that. They'll tell you where they bought something. Look at their looks, get inspiration, and then go out there. Make your own looks. Put together your style. Yeah. You know? Don't be afraid to fail. It's Try a, something out. It's yeah. a process. It's exactly. a process. And that's the thing. You've got to be open and you've got to be willing to fail sometimes. Exactly. And it's never a failure. No. Because you learn. It's, it's always a funny story. Right. <laughs> Remember that time I wore it all corduroy top to bottom? That's right. Those hammer pants. Yeah, we tried real hard. (laughs) Awesome. Bruce, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks, man. You're you're a legend in this industry, and you're always helping it move forward. I appreciate it. Super appreciate it. Everyone, please check out Chubster.com. That's Chubster, C-H-U-B-S-T-R, no E, dot com. Uh, don't type out no E. You guys know what I mean. <laughs> uh, listen to Bruce's podcast, Heavy Conversations with Josie, uh, Jody Koenig. And, did I say that right? You Koenig? did. You did. Oh, good. He'll be happy. Yes. Uh, Jody's also an amazing uh, big and tall influencer brand. He owns uh, or own, runs, owns. I don't know what he does, but he's yes. he's the bearskin guy. The bearskin. Yep. Exactly. Which is the most comfortable underwear free plug yes. I've ever worn. And, um, yeah, follow him uh, at Chubster on all social media platforms. And I, I think, did I, did I miss anything? I think you got everything. That's awesome. Yep. Bruce and I are hanging out later tonight, so this will be even more fun. You'll see pictures. Don't worry. Yes. Guys. All right, Bruce. Thank you so much. Thanks, man. such a pioneer in this field and he is such a tour de force and it was so exciting to get to hang out with him again and talk to him again everyone please go to chubster.com c-h-u-b-s-t-r.com uh follow him on facebook and all that stuff at chubster uh follow me on facebook and instagram and all the things at zach miko z-a-c-h m-i-k-o 
uh, facebook.com slash bigthingspod, our website, bigthingspod.com. Email us, Zach at bigthingspod.com and Josh at bigthingspod.com. I love this show. I love you guys. Remember, it's going to be a beautiful patch of weather. So while you're going out and you're having fun and you're doing your last bit of summery stuff before fall hits, go out into the world and do big things. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-da-ba-da.